0: Jokes aside, I mean, if we don't tell our own stories, we shouldn't get pissed off when people tell our stories wrong. You know, we need to start being accountable for our stories. This lady today, um, you know what, let me stop rambling. Let her introduce herself. How are you? Hi, Obi, how are you? I know, I'm super, man. I'm fantastic, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, please introduce yourself to our community today. Sure, so my name is Truly
1: Zigalala and I do a lot of things and the top of the list that people might expect is probably going to be the last thing that I'm going to say. So I can describe myself as a visionary, Um, I'm passionate about leadership, Um, I love life, you know. Um, And then the thing that really is my profession, my vocation is I'm an interpreter. So I'm a SASL, South African Sign Language interpreter by qualification.
0: All right. I mean, if someone is listening to your podcast, if they do listen, um, what does an interpreter actually do?
1: So an interpreter, you can think of it as a person who facilitates and bridges communication between two or more people who can't speak the same language. So if, you know, because I'm a sign language interpreter, South African sign language interpreter, it has to be deaf people who communicate using sign language. And a person who is hearing, it could be, you know, a person who speaks uh, English an egg. So I have to bridge uh, communication between the two. So I facilitate communication. I'm not part of the conversation. Think of me as a bridge. Think of me as a channel. Think of me as a vessel of just getting information from one. One angle to the next,
0: but this thing you didn't just learn it yourself, you went to school for this.
1: I did, and yeah. that wasn't the plan here. So, I went to VIRTS, um, that was back in 2008, and the plan was to be a clinical psychologist. So, uh, that was my major, and then the second major was SASL, so we call it SASL for short, South African Sign Language. Um, and I found it fascinating, so I could have chosen anything, but I chose that because I didn't know what it was about. So, I mean, I usually go for things that scare me, things that don't make sense. Um, So I went for that, and I worked my way up from the bottom, so I didn't know anything about it. So you first have to learn the language. This is very important. You must be fluent in the language in order to be an interpreter, and then you must learn the skill of interpreting. So uh, interpreting is not limited to uh, SASL, so it can be um, whatever, you know, uh, German and French and Chivenda and Kosa, all of those, you know, whatever language. So I chose um, uh, SASL, but you have to learn and be fluent in the language, and then, um, you know master the skill of interpreting so it's the language and the skill
0: do you want to talk to us about sort of the accreditation aspect of it is it accredited that's fine. Yeah. So,
1: Mina, ne, I am a qualified interpreter, the same way you can be a qualified lawyer, qualified teacher. So, you go and you study and you get the degree. So, yeah. I've got a degree in interpreting, South African Sign Language Interpreting. So, I've got a degree in the language and then I did, you know, a bit of exter- extended studying with the actual skill. So, you, you, the skill is important because there are techniques mm-hmm. and there are strategies that you need to learn that they don't really teach you, you know... Um, you know on the ground it's things that you have to apply you know textbook wise and then you see it real life when you actually do the job that okay this is what I learned you know uh, in different settings um, so with accreditation so accreditation is quite a hot topic in the industry it's a very uh, controversial you know uh, topic so I'm one of 11 SSL accredited interpreters uh, in the country and there's the country. only yeah so there's only 11 but this is the thing so be careful mm. so there's a lot of interpreters with different languages Portuguese French you but for SASL, there's only eleven. Okay, I'm one of eleven, and here's the reason why. First of all, it's a difficult exam. Okay, you need it's it's you need eighty percent, sort of like you know you need to have a very high mark to actually uh, get the to get to get to get passed, I guess, and then. Um, People don't think that you need it, you know, so especially if you started working already, so you're already making money, why should I go back and and study this thing? Why should I take an exam if I've got clients? I've got clients I'm booked, why must I not go back and then, you know, get the chances of me failing and that that's really going to, um, you know, kill my confidence in the whole industry. So the the reason why I did this, and I'm going to speak for myself, is because I feel like with any profession, if you call yourself a professional, if you're going to, go into cuisine if you're a chef if you're a lawyer if you're a doctor go all the way you know especially if you're going to serve you know a minority group go all the way don't just you know take shortcuts because it's easier so the clients are there but that'll also add into the credibility the competency of you know you being uh, a professional um, also I failed the first time I did my exam so that's another thing that you like don't give not up not no and yeah, this is yeah. the thing but it's a very tough exam like I really really mean it because people get thrown off by the fact that it's hard you know and and I went for it. I tried it 2018, I failure, went back again, and I did it and I got it. So I felt like I would see, because it's a very, uh, there's a very small number of people that have it, you know, you really have to have high skills to get it. That's the perception. But if you understand, if you get mentorship, I got it through, you know, guidance and mentorship and practicing and actually making a decision that, you know what, I'm actually going to do this. Um... Mentorship is also quite important. So with the SATI, SATI accreditation, mentorship is quite important because my mentor, my mentors were the ones who actually identified with, okay, I think you're ready for this and they guide you through it. So mentorship is important because you don't see yourself um, in in... A specific way so they see potential in you that you don't see so I didn't know I was ready it was when my mentor was like okay if if you've got something are you ready this is what I see I will help you I will guide you don't be scared give it a shot you know give it your best and go for it so I failed the first time and then again we go back why did you fail you know so it's like it's two aspects so you need to sign there's a video that plays Uh, uh, like someone speaking a speech sort of like and then you must interpret so this is sign language and then there's someone signing a deaf person signing you must voice it so voicing is the hardest part out of the two the voicing is the hardest that's a lot of people you know get it wrong that's where I got it wrong you get feedback and then um, you try again but another thing we would see the turnaround time is a year
0: so so you have to wait a
1: whole year for your no 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 so when you get the results, you can't apply until next year, so like the turnaround time is a year, uh, which is also quite disheartening because if it's just one thing that I can work on and I can get it right in a month, I can't apply next month. I have to wait in a year when the window open for application. So applications are usually around September, October. The exam is in November. Then the results come out the following year, February. So, Mina, when that... Uh, Time came, so also because of my personality, I'm very driven. You know, I know what I want. That year, I planned my whole year around my accreditation. I thought I was going to get it, and I didn't get it. So, um, when February came, the results came. You know, I was, you know, the the achievement, the status that comes with being an accredited interpreter. Also, black. There's only three black out of the eleven. There's only three black, you know, that are accredited. Um, I think I'm the youngest. Mm. I don't know, um, maybe one of the, the, the young people that are there. So even that, you know, I'm, I really would encourage and advocate people to uh, go for it. It's a tough example, but that shouldn't throw you off. If I can do it, brah, I think, like, I'm a living example that if you're determined something that is is so out of reach, that's, that's feared, that's not maybe designed for us, so that's not expected for black people to go and get it, um, you must get it through. But there are also a bit of controversial issues, you know, with the whole... Uh, such accreditation thing is because if you're a passer and you don't pay then you forfeit your membership so is it about the money or is it about the skill Yeah, so people are, are two ways and the, the industry is divided so why should I get an accreditation if it doesn't it's not a true reflection of my skill you know the people in my community are happy with my interpreting so why am I, do I need a piece of paper certificate you know but like this certificate sort of like a stamp of approval that you are a really true professional you went all the way you didn't take a shortcut and it's true dedication like it's your lifelong dedication of making this happen. So I'd really, really advocate for people to get accredited.
0: I mean, truly, this is a full business.
1: It is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, a person from outside, I might just be thinking, oh, you interpret and that's it, but this mm. is a full business. It's a proper industry, yeah. Do you want to talk about just about the industry of, of interpreting just a bit? Just to give us to, just a eye candy level of saying this is what the business is all about. So the industry, so
1: sure. Um, sure, let me start at the crossroads. Now, how do you become an interpreter? And this also is is very interesting because it changes with generations. So, you get people now who are um, whose parents are deaf. My mother, my father is deaf, my mother, or my father's deaf, or a cousin or an uncle, someone in the family is deaf. And me as a hearing person, I grew up knowing or exposed to the language. Okay, so we call these people a coda, child of a deaf adult. So it could be direct parents or someone in the family, and then that triggers your interest in the language, or you learn it just because you're in the area or you're with your family, you know, you don't really have a choice. And people who know the language firsthand, it's their first language, they become interpreters because. You know, if your uncle is is deaf and they need to go to the bank, ah, oh, you know, I mean, Utuli knows his language. Let's go to the bank. On a choice, it's family, yeah, you know? Um, A lot of the, the the people that I know who are coders, they they. They, they became interpreters not really by choice it just was a situation would see umama she has to go to the bank she has to go to the hospital she, has, she needs an interpreter so you learn the language but you also learn how to in that situation you have to strain and take up the role so you have to divide yourself as the child but you're also the interpreter in that situation we're interpreting race-sensitive information for this person that I love so the motive is not necessarily passion in that in that case or it develops you learn to love it but I don't necessarily think honestly you know that people who are coders naturally um wanted to be interpreters, they probably grew into it, you know? So that was the old generation, the like the the people that laid it down, the foundation. And we, we pay respect, you know, we recognize, shout out to those people. But then now there's a new wave of of interpreters like us. You know, I mean I just woke up I decided as in psychology, yes, but interpreting as well. You know, I can do it, why not? And I worked hard. You can work hard. You can wake up and decide, I wanna be an interpreter. And it's up to you. No one has to um, you know, make you feel guilty for knowing the language. You decide like any profession if you want to be an accountant or a doctor, you go and study it. So um, there's also a perception of to people who uh, are coders, you know, are probably better interpreters because they've got the, the first-hand experience with first-hand exposure, which is kind of cool. I think the only advantage is that they've got the deaf culture part of it. But the skill, I'm not so sure. You know, I, I really um, have my reservations about that. So, that it, in its case um, sets a little bit of you know, differences in terms of the industry. How did you become an interpreter? It's not just one way or one size fits all. People have different stories, you know. And then you also get people who um, take chances, you know, so they see, okay, this is a quick buck. Uh, a deaf person is here. Um, I know a, ba- a bit of sign language, the basics. You know, I'm, I'm, let me be an interpreter. And this is a big misconception. Because if you just know the basics of SASL, you can quickly become a professional interpreter and make money out of it. So you can imagine. I know. You can seen if that. you want to. People still talk about it today, bro. I was there at the stadium on that day. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, that, that. I'll never forget. Yazini. Oh, Yazini. So. Yeah. Um, Yes, um, and that's a big disservice to the community that we serve, you know, if you're going to do it for the wrong reasons, because there's an ethical code of ethics that you need to follow. There's like an ethical standard, a global ethical standard that everyone must follow. So, you know, um, confidentiality, your dress code. decisions that you make in the situation you know um being impartial so you don't share your own uh, opinions and subjective views when you're interpreting like you're in a role of interpreting so whatever happens you're just a conduit of information whatever if people are angry or crying you must bring that emotion out and whatever is discussed in the room or in the meeting has to stay within the the setting you can't take it out you know so it's a lot of trust and ethical issues that need to be um you know discussed even the money the payments out of it you know Lots of things. So you can quickly identify a person who's not a professional based on, you know, maybe their story or how they got there or how they behave, which sort of like erases Tina, who works so hard, you know, to put a name uh, for ourselves as professionals, then one or two people. And it's usually the bad apples that, like, destroy the whole packet of people who are really trying laying it down, the foundation. We're trying to pass the baton over to the other people that are coming through. So that's very, very um, um, interesting. So one of the ways that you could do, you could... um, Volunteer, so we could also volunteer organizations, churches, um, and that's how you work your way up. Something that's also quite important is to be active in the deaf community, so get plugged in. So it's one thing to learn the language on a piece of paper or just learn the basics over the internet, but the people, that's how you learn a language, any language, you know. Um, I don't think um, SASL is unique from learning a language like, you know, from the people in the community. That's how you learn the language. You live with the people and naturally that's the way you can become p- comfortable. You build trust as well because if you're going to be my interpreter, I need to know that you understand who I am, my values, my, you know, what I do.
0: So... I just want to take it back just a bit. I mean, when did you first, like, really engage in sign language and you're like, you know what, I really want to do mm. this. You know, when was... Mm. When did sign language catch you...
1: So, funny, is that before I became an interpreter, I was actually a teacher. So, yeah, interesting. So, my uncle, yeah? has a deaf son, so I've got a deaf cousin, but he wasn't the reason why I started sign language or studied it or so became good. So, my, my, my personality, just the way I'm wired, anything that I do, anything that I, des- I decide to do, I really go for it and I really, you know, give it my all. So, naturally, with sign language as well, if you put your heart to it, it's a skill, bruh. It's a skill. If you really want to practice it, practice and do it and you'll get it right. So, I, I, I went and I did it and I applied all the, the things that we learned and I became good. I became confident in the community. And then um, my first interpreting job, and I'm so embarrassed to say this because when I look back, as you know, all the mistakes that I made, oh my goodness, you know, uh, the people that I, I caused a disservice to, you know, I'm so sorry. So it was in Asia. So my my uncle had a, a jewelry company. It was called Global Jewelry Academy, GJA. And um, there were deaf people there and he needed an interpreter. So straight from high straight from university. Um, I think the following month I started there, and I stayed there for three years, and that's when I worked my way up, learned the language. So in Akona, it's different dialects in the, within the country, so it's ASL, but um, depending on the geographic place or the region or the history, you know, um, I think South Africa is very unique and beautiful in terms of you know the melting pot of the history and the cultures that bring everything together. So um, if you learn one sign, don't stick to it, don't be comfortable, be open to different dialects of the same sign, yeah. Well, and the more people you know, the different uh, settings you're in, the better. So I was in Indonesia, I stayed there for a while, learned the language, and then um, did a bit of, I left. And then, so in Lens, there's a, a, a deaf school called MCK, MCK High School for the Deaf. Uh, when I felt like I needed a challenge, I applied for that job, and I was a teacher assistant. I wasn't interpreting, I was just a teacher assistant in the deaf school. So I felt like, okay, I want to see how sign language is in Education, you know. A school setting. Yeah, a set, school yeah. setting, basically. You know, the academic setting. Like, uh, pe- there were so many complaints. I, I, I studied this, you know, in deaf culture, the struggles with education. So let me see firsthand what happens to teachers, you know, the system. Um, the Like, is it is, is it, uh, is it an official language? Do they teach it? So these, is, these are things that I saw firsthand from a book. But these are, th- these are things that I saw firsthand when I experienced it in the deaf education. And then um, I almost did education. I almost went and I, and I became a teacher. I think that was the point. That was... In 2014, 13, 14, when um, I was split sideways. So after when I felt I needed a challenge, I actually applied um, f- AUJ to, to do education, to, to teaching, PGCE. And I also applied at the full-time job as an interpreter. So that's when I got the experience was OK. Because at the school at PMCK, I, I used to used a lot to interpret meetings or if maybe there's a visitor or you know something happens and they need to make an announcement people used to come to me to ask me to interpret I didn't know, that wasn't the plan you know I just knew a bit of sign language and then that intrigued my my passion that I decided it's okay I did a bit of sign language but let me take it a notch up to interpreting and I think when I applied for the job both of the, the applications came back positive, you know, so I went for the interview, a very tough interview at the dev company, where I resigned after five years, recently this year, and then the education, so, yeah, I chose interpreting.
0: I mean, you got a very impressive CV. Thank you. There. I mean, do you want to tell us more about sort of your experience that you've done in a lot of gigs? Because, I mean, if I'm a child, and or if I'm someone who's really sure. interested to go into this space, you know, I... I, I like I'm shocked mm. by the amount of stuff that you can do within sure. the space. Sure. I mean, do you want to just chat about some of the places or gigs that you've worked on?
1: So think about it. I think the most important thing, your role as an interpreter is to take information. You're a channel of information. So whenever there's information, it doesn't really matter. So I think the traditional ways of getting information, it's it's, it's TV. We know the current of facing news, training, workshops, you know. Those are the ones that we know. But if you understand from there, you build, you, you cut your teeth, you build your foundation, you build your confidence. But if you understand your role and that you can take any kind of information, and that's why you can expand and take more risks. So with my experience, I can honestly say which when I applied for that job, and I didn't go to the the university to study teaching. And I actually took the job where I was an interpreter for full time five years. That was the beginning of my career because that's when I got a mentorship. The actual environment was conducive, very supportive, well resourced. It's actually one of the best companies in the country, I think, to work for in terms of that. Um, and that's where you grow. You know, they allow you to flourish. That's where you actually see your potential and you develop your potential. Um, and that's where I got exposure, TV exposure. So uh, I did a lot of things for SAPC. So I did a sports show called Beyond Boundaries, a disability sports show. Um, so again, camera exposure, just being in front of the camera. Um, you know, are you are you comfortable with with the lights, with people speaking? So it's not even live. That's pre-recorded. So you can imagine live. I did the Sona earlier on this year, State of the Nation address, you know, 2020. That was also kind of Um, interesting, sorry, that was live, you know, (laughs) so something like that is very exciting because um, it thrills you, you know, pre-record is not the same as live, live TV is like wow, we're doing this. You know, there's no going back. And also something that's very, very important is to have a co-interpreter. So I was very fortunate that um, even today, you know, my co-interpreters are my mentors or people that I know in the industry where I need support, I need guidance. When I failed my such accreditation exam, they were the ones who encouraged me, go back, try again, you know. So the vision is always bigger than me. If I can do it, then you can imagine other people who are looking up to me thinking it's not possible, you know. You can't do this, you know. Um, it's hard. So many excuses. I mean, I can come up with a lot of excuses excuses, but look where I am today. I chose the positive over the negative, you know. So you can do TV. I did TV. Um, I did a bit of Afropunk as well. I think Afropunk was interesting because that's when I um, sort of like realize which you can actually do and be more so everypunk mm. you know what everypunk yeah, is yeah, yeah. there Conhill <laughs> yeah. so they've got uh solution sessions and like that's that's the panel and I'm the only person the first and the only I like I think if I get the, the, the booking this year will probably be my third year 2018 2019 and it's it's so amazing that I could do it again because Um, I realized that you can actually interpret anything you just need content get the content what you want to interpret and interpret it So you can work as anything, but the traditional is 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 you know training workshop um, Education space academic like universities Um, There are quite a few people that do different things like music and poetry so you can do anything really it's up to you
0: Talking about content, I mean we bumped into you, or you bumped into I bumped us. In,
1: I, I stalked you. I found you. Yeah, guys, <laughs>
0: we've made it. <laughs> um, <gasps> let's talk about sort of the SLA podcasts. What is that about? No. Sure. Yeah.
1: Okay. Interesting story. So this, year, let's backtrack. How did we get there? Okay. So, like I said, I, I worked. You know, I've been working for five years. I resigned from my full-time job earlier this year just smack bang between COVID bro, can you imagine you know? you're brave, <laughs> I am brave but I think that's the thing I would see, you know regardless of what's happening around you, if something calls you if you feel like it's a calling, if it's, a, it's a purpose you really will um, you know, find your way and it'll work out so very very risky, I had to make a decision do I stay and miss this window of opportunity yeah, I don't know what's going to happen but I've got a very strong gut feeling that this is for me um, it, it's possible it could work you know Um, But the people that I, I, I collaborate with, they really have to trust me and give me a shot. And that's exactly what happened, so I resigned. And I collaborate with Cliff Cliffcentral, Cliffcentral.com. So how did that happen? I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and I realized the way to my podcast, um, it's got a lot of information that's, you know, it's, it's informative, things that have to go out there. You can listen up to e-podcast about anything, really, no my uni. And the people that I'm invested in, my, my immediate community, they don't have access to this, you know? So how about we collaborate, we unite and we embrace information, we get this content out there through interpreting. You know, so using the professional skill of interpreting, but also, um, you know, using different collaborations and industries you know coming together and just making magic happen so that's what I did I approached Cliff Central Um, they liked the idea obviously they've never thought about it and that's what people do they don't think about these things so even the idea is like you think about it am I crazy when the idea comes to you you think you're crazy you know and you tell other people and I think this is what pioneers do visionaries like you're ahead of your time people don't get what you're thinking is like you know and it's also very important to know who you surround yourself with so at that time I was isolated because I felt like people who were around me could choke my dream and took me out of, first of all, leaving. I had to resign to go to Cliff Central. I couldn't do both. You know, where is your loyalty? Um, and that in itself is, is crazy, you know, because there's so many other things that are happening as well. What if it fails? You know, I've, I've, I've invested my life and then this this sort of like fails. So that's what I did. And Cliff Central took a, a chance on me. So fast forward, we did a pilot, uh, you know, so an award winning podcast, a called E-Blind History, which... Even that is interesting because I tried um, negotiating other content. So history on its own is mm, it's a bit heavy, you know. You know, and there's also different types of history. So it's Western history there. Type of history is a bit, you know, it's very Western. But I'm not Western. I'm African. So when the opportunity came do I take the opportunity. Yeah. Um, or do I say no because of the actual content? Or do we think big? Okay, think uh, opportunities, think clients, think collaborations, think pioneer, yeah. think yeah, well, all of these things. So even today, like uh, we still have a very strong relationship uh, in in making this happen because I decided to to try it out and to take it very seriously. Yeah, well. Um and. Yeah, I mean, it received a lot of media traction, so lots of um, interviews and people just understanding. So people at first they're very skeptical; they don't get it, what's going on, you know. Podcast a line you know, but a podcast is audio, that's why because the people can't hear the audio; they can't hear this interview that's going on. So you need someone to interpret it about that. It's a very simple concept, you know, and then add subtitles to make the information more accessible and accommodate other people. So it's a very visual element of a podcast, basically. Yeah, I
0: mean, um, oh yeah. sorry, sure, continue, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we always talk about content creators. I mean, sure. But content creators never think about this group that is quite isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw an opportunity. Yes. I mean, let's engage more on this opportunity <laughs> that you saw. Like, I know. Be, I'm an like,
1: opportunistic person, you know. And that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. When it hits you, Nam it's almost like you're the only one living in colour when I was at my, my full-time job I was actually very frustrated I could feel it you know it was just a matter of time for me to leave I'm a person like my personality as well I'm very ambitious very driven I work hard what's the next thing moving on You know, I don't want to stay in the same thing for long so after five years I'm thinking okay I, I need to do something but the thing is that company is such a good company that after that there's nowhere to go it's either you stay or you do your, whole, your own thing so it's like I can't work for another person I don't see myself doing that I must do my own thing but what? You know, but this thing is risky, no one has done it. And if it goes well, it could it's revolutionary basically. We are starting an industry that has never been done. We're collaborating, it's gonna get a lot of attention, a lot of haters as well, you know, positive and negative. Are you ready for that? Really? A lot of attention coming your way. Can you articulate it? So I did it. Um, it's an opportunity that I guess I felt it was also a window. So if you miss that this window. Had I waited, for example, let's say had I did this now, I want to end all of the five months after COVID, for example, it's too late, you know. Someone could have maybe, you know, taken it. I guess I, I don't know. It's it's very spiritual, I guess. I can't explain it, you know. I, get
0: you. Um, I think a lot of people on the podcast get you so yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah. so it's
1: like it's, it's it's for you maybe it's way because you are the one who, who's supposed to do it you know it could be the universe it could be God speaking to you but it's got your name on it and if you don't do it then we're going to move on to someone else and then when someone does it and succeeds you can't complain because I gave it to you and you said no yeah, but so it's, it's a lot of trust and a lot of faith and a lot of all of these things that you can't see what's going on but it feels right it feels right so see the opportunity you know and, and maximize the opportunity yeah yeah.
0: I mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah. One same. last thing. Yeah. I think we good
1: to COVID. Yeah? Honestly, I think it really worked well in my favor because, um, I mean, it's been five months, but the people that I have, I've let go of people. Unfortunately, I think that it comes to the price. You know, people don't slowly and quietly just leave your life. They just stop talking to you. They stop answering your call. It's okay. Um and I think that's something that I had to make peace with it's okay this is what I'm going to do this is my calling my path but it comes at a cost you know I have to let go of something to hold on to something better I don't think I'd be sitting right here with you talking if I hadn't made that decision you know I've got my friend here Eric I don't think we could have met or did so many things good vibes my YouTube channel I've got a company now brah uh, Yellow Owl all of these things that have developed in a space of five months I don't think I could have done had I stayed because I was scared or what are people going to say or what if it fails you know so my, my perception of failure has changed a lot. You know, I encourage people to fail, 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 fail forward and learn and get it right. Um, but opportunities are there. You create opportunities. You make things happen, honestly.
0: truly it sounds like as a pioneer, you are carrying a heavy cross um, of being the first person doing it, haters and everything that comes with sure. it, you know. I mean, how do you go about late at night to say Okay, I am still doing this. I am still wanting to create mm. content. I'm still mm. in the space where people are not answering your calls because, I mean, you have started this, but now there's a lot of responsibility coming. there
1: there. is there is and me having this conversation so every opportunity is a platform to educate to spread awareness so what I say I set the standard for other people who are looking up to me okay and I set the standard within my industry and people who are not in the industry for people content creators who don't get it like interpreter so what I say they take it and they run with it how I I, you know come across my professionalism how I, I you know provide the service that is a standard that I'm setting there's so many layers it's not just interpreting you're a woman, you're black, you're young. You know, like the identity spectrum, bruh. It's like it cuts across so many things, and you have to be aware of all of these things. Um, how I sleep at night, I think it's the best sleep I've had in a long time. So when I left, when I resigned, I slept like a baby, bruh. I think, as like, I haven't been sleeping for a year because I was restless, I was frustrated. Something was just calling me, you know? And you can't run away, you know, forever. I think there comes a time where you just need to accept it, but you call for bigger things. And these things have your name on it. And um, God is faithful. I don't think he'll give you something or show you something without carrying you through or bringing the right people or making a way. So um, the haters are there, obviously, but you have the strength to get through it, bro. You know, um, you need to um, be careful who you surround yourself with. You need to make a decision. And it's a lot of responsibility. It really, really is. But I think I'm doing it very
0: well. I mean... When it's all said and done, you're famous and you have your own statue out there and people are talking about you, how do you want to be remembered um, of what you're trying to do as a black female in this place? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. You've never thought about it. Because I'm still, it's yeah, unfolding. Yeah.
1: I, I don't think it's, I'm it's, um, there, it just keeps unfolding every day. You know, me, me even sitting here having this conversation, you know, would have thought, when I did episode three of Equal Vibes, who would have thought that you guys would be coming back and we're having a conversation, bruh? <laughs> Things are crazy, That's an opportunity. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I'm, I see, I'm creatives, so we're going to have an opportunity to, to have an episode with them. But like, now it's coming back. And I feel like this is not the, the end. I feel like this is the beginning of other things to come. You know, we create opportunities. So people come into your life for a reason. I'd like to be remembered as someone who, um, first of all, is passionate, you know, passionate about what they do, a risk taker, you know. Um, I'd like to be someone who pushed the boundaries that anything is possible. So whatever you create, you're not crazy. So the, the voices and the, the whispers as well, they, they're very soft whispers that come. Um, listen to those. Those are very loud. Okay, like block out the noise. There's a lot of commotion going on, but the whispers are actually very loud. If you listen to that, life is always speaking to you. Okay, the passions, and desires that you have. For example, I also do Toastmasters. I'm a speaker, so that was three years ago. It's like now it makes sense looking back. You know, that's why I enjoyed speaking because I want to tell my story. I want to encourage and and, and you know motivate people through that. Um, I'd like to remember as someone who. Um, made the impossible possible, so whatever you want to do, make it possible. I also want to be known as someone who started an industry, brah, you know, in the uh, interpreting and pioneering the podcasting uh, industry, so bringing people together, collaborating, ensuring that it's possible, first of all, as a black person, as an interpreter, as a profession, um, and you can enjoy what you do, you know, it doesn't have to feel like a job, so like right now, I'm with you having a conversation, but I'm working, but there's a bigger picture. You can expand and Uh, diversify your skills, maximize on everything that you enjoy doing. So not just interpreting, but speaking and being a leader and being a visionary and being a creative or making all of these things. So turn your passion into profit, basically. Yeah. You
0: know, I was not going to talk about this. Sure. In our research and and the earlier conversation, you're very... Steadfast about not really talking about sort of the death community, right, <laughs> and the deaf culture, sure. and, you, and and your reasoning made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But on t- and untainted, we want the truth. I mean, why do you really shy away from that conversation?
1: Yeah. So okay, for the listeners who don't know the backstory, yeah. let's yeah. let's start there. How did we get here? So you send me questions to prepare for this interview. And these are questions that I get often. The approach is that, okay, um, as a deaf person, you know, how do you think the deaf people feel, or the deaf community, uh, the rights? I mean, so it's always towards me speaking or sharing my views about the deaf community, okay? Sure, because I'm an interpreter in the deaf community, but also I'm not an interpreter just for them. I bring other people, hearing people who don't know the language, so you don't know sign language also. It's not just for the deaf people. I'm not responsible for deaf people. I'm not deaf, you know? I don't know what it feels like. I mean, I studied the language, I became good at it, so I'm a professional. So as an interpreter, I also try to uh, be impartial of, you know, things like the movement or advocating rights or representing or speaking on the behalf of, because they've got their own leaders within the community that are empowered enough to do that. For them, mean. asked me about interpreting. I can tell you because I've experienced it firsthand. That's what I do. That's who I am. I know it, you know. But deaf people, I'm not so sure. It could be that their politics, you know. There's so many layers and so many issues that I want to get into, but I'd rather shy away from that, you know. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. No cool, man. Lastly, any tips about your journey? Any, any, any advice for a young person, a young lady, or a young guy out there that really wants to take on the journey of becoming an interpreter? Because I really feel that mm. it's a really A very important journey, not just for yourself as an interpreter, but your community as a whole that surrounds you, you Uh. know, you are sort of the vessel and also a tool in order for communication to happen. What are your tips
1: Sure. So, first of all, what kind of personality do you have to have to be an interpreter? Yeah, let's start there. So, as an interpreter, I feel like, and without even blowing my horn, Obi, our interpreters are really one of the most intelligent people out there because every day you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you come across, the topic is plants, and then the next day we're doing technology, then we're talking about food, you know, it could be anything. So, you need to be open-minded about um, what the day has, which also is, 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 is saying that every day is different, it's an adventure. You need to be someone who is flexible. We work with people. You don't sit behind a desk and a computer and you punch in numbers. These are people with identities and cultures and feelings and emotions and families. They've got a legacy, so you need to respect the people that you uh, deal with firsthand. You need to be humble. So, a lot of the people that you may come across, maybe they are not as fortunate in terms of life opportunities. So, if you see, Guti, you are ahead of life, don't be, or don't make it so obvious, see, I'm better than you. So, I'm not going to shine a dust with my car if I see you walking. No, that's not that's not necessary. you know. Greet people, respect people. Um, you need to be, you need to have a thick skin. Yeah? Because uh, interpreters are misunderstood. So, if you come into a setting they don't know who you are. You know, what are you doing here? Like, they don't understand your role in communicating. Like, what are you doing here? It's only when maybe you pick up your hands and start interpreting that, okay, this is the interpreter. But even that, they don't get it. You know, they call you the translator. I'm not a translator. I'm an interpreter, you know? A translator is unwritten. So, uh, like, you translate... Um, you know, a legal document, that's translation from one language to another. It's anything written, but a a person who's speaking, podcast, you know, a speech, that is interpreting. So even the terminology is misunderstood. Um, You need to, uh, you know, love people because we deal with people. So um, it doesn't always help being isolated because you need people, you know, and this is something I'm learning as well because I'm very independent, but I need people at the same time, you know. Uh, We need to support each other. So... That's just one thing. And you need to have a clear mind. So, interpreting is you come into a role. So, for example, I'm in a good mood, but the meeting I'm in, there's a fight and people start swearing and fighting. So, I need to take myself out of that and get in the zone of okay, now I'm interpreting a fight where people are crying and swearing. Do what you have to do. It's done, it's over, go back to your happiness. So you need to be able to switch on and switch off very clearly, but effortlessly. Yeah, well, it mustn't, we mustn't be clear. we we'll it's affecting you and, you know, but if it does affect you, you must, you know, you've, you've got people that you can speak to, psychologists, or you can speak to a co-interpreter who's just as, you know, exposed to the industry who knows what's going on.
0: Tuli, um, thank you very much. <laughs> I think for us now, it's really sort of a series that we we'll actually learn more about. Sure. Um, this industry Thank you very much Pleasure that You took your time To really speak with us um, Yeah And to the community guys um, Yeah If people want to follow you Let's do some free marketing. Sure, okay. (laughs) Uh, If if people want to follow your content and really learn more about the space. Fantastic. So, okay, social
1: media is at Tuli underscore Zigalala. That's Twitter, that's Instagram, LinkedIn as well, it's Tuli Zigalala. My YouTube channel is Good Vibes with Tuli. That's where they can find all of that. And
0: we have episodes.
1: Sure, definitely. <laughs> Episode 3, bro. Episode 3. Yes, that's the one. Um, and I can also say that I'm, I'm hoping, Obi, you know, I'm not jinxing it, you know, hint, hint, that this could be, you know, an opportunity to maybe feature and make your content more accessible, you know, make your content accessible for people who need to get it out there. Cool. Super. By having subtitles and having an interpreter. <clears throat> super, yeah.
0: super, super. Thank you very much again. Pleasure, pleasure, Obi. Uh, yeah, guys, we're going to close it from here. And, yeah, stay safe, wear a mask, sanitize and the community. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Thank you. Sure.